providers such as attorney, financial planners, insurance agents. Uh, insurance agents and others often collaborate to provide the best level of service to their clients. Now, in today's podcast, we're going to rely on the knowledge and experience of a uh, leading business and litigation attorney, Matthew Sheehan, as we discuss a topic of great importance to professionals in the accounting realm in terms of being able to protect themselves and their practices. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And uh, today, uh, Matthew and I are going to talk a little bit about uh, what is known as accountant's privilege. Now, Matt, it's been a while since you and I have been on a podcast together, so thanks for taking the time. Nice to talk to you again. Uh, Thanks, Jim. Glad to be aboard. So give me, first of all, just a, a broad view of the topic. When we, when we use that term, accountant's privilege, um, what can you tell us about that, what that means? Okay. Well, there is a, uh, there's actually a statute in Illinois called the Illinois Public Accounting Act, and the privilege is um, essentially contained therein. Uh, it's outlined in the, in the act itself. And it basically says that uh, the accountant's privilege applies when a licensed or registered certified public accountant, you know, CPA as we know, received information or evidence in his or her confidential capacity while assisting a client. Thus, the CPA is not required by any court to divulge such information. So essentially if, which I'm sure happens very often, an accountant is working with a client and receives confidential information in their capacity providing accounting services to that client, if later on they get a request uh, in a piece of litigation or a subpoena uh, from another party in litigation requesting that the accountant produce um, documents relevant to that um, ser- the provision of those accounting services, which you know could include a lot of different types of documents of tax returns, financial statements, anything like that, the CPA is actually not required to divulge the information, um, so they can invoke the accountant's privilege and uh, you know, essentially prevent disclosure of, of the information. Now, you, you mentioned there the, uh, the accountant invoking the privilege. So uh, if, if there is some form of litigation or some request for documents, as you mentioned, it's not necessarily the client that can, can use this, but the accountant themselves. Is that right? Correct, correct. And, you know, essentially if, a, for example, let's, let's say an accountant has a client that's involved in, oh, there could be a variety of different types of litigation. Maybe it's a, a business dispute. Maybe it's a divorce. Um, you know, that there may be certain documents that are in the possession of both the client and, and the CPA. If the CPA received a subpoena, they would not have to, if, if they wanted to invoke the privilege, they could assert the the accountant privilege and 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 essentially say I don't have to comply with the subpoena, I'm asserting the the accountant privilege. If it's requesting documents, it could be the same documents, could be tax returns and and financial documents that that client also has in his or her possession. If that client got the, a similar request, the client could not invoke the accounting privilege. It's not theirs to use. So um, they couldn't you know they couldn't use the shield of an accountant privilege. Uh, to prevent disclosure by the client. It's only available to the CPA. You, you mentioned a couple of circumstances. Right? You know, let's go back to that a little bit. And, uh, you know, is this something that would occur in specific types of cases? Is it, uh, you mentioned tax cases, divorce cases, or, or it might be more global than that in terms of how often this might come up? Yeah, I mean, it really, the, it doesn't, uh, the act itself doesn't limit it to any particular 
type of of uh, litigation. However, those would seem to me to be the the main two that would come into play. In fact, you know the the seminal case on this is actually an Illinois Supreme Court case uh, from 2015 called Brunton versus Kruger. Uh, and um, in that case, uh, the Supreme Court interpreted the privilege, and it was an estate planning case concerning a will contest. You know, essentially, uh, uh, an individual, Brunton, sued her brother, Kruger, in his capacity as trustee of the trust established by their late parents and uh, other family members. And um, the problem in that case is, although the CPA did assert the privilege, which which the Supreme Court recognized as being certainly in their um, purview, uh, they actually had waived the privilege in that case because they had given the same documents that they now, you know, the same confidential documents that they now sought to protect to uh, their their own clients, the Krugers, to the Krugers' personal representative. So once um, they disclosed the inform- confidential information to another party, um, they essentially waive that privilege, and therefore they cannot invoke it as to other parties. So it's um, an interesting so case and because the Supreme Court recognized it, but in fact in that particular fact scenario found that the, the CPAs had waived the privilege. So, and, and I want to talk about that a little bit. So in, in a case like that, um, is that something you can use then as precedents to, to verify that the, the state or the Supreme Court has in, indeed you know, supported uh, the accountant's privilege, and it was just this particular instance in which they waived it that, that sort of violated it, but they upheld the privilege itself. Correct. I think that's, that's absolutely 100% correct, and I actually researched it today. It's a 2015 case. There's there's no negative history on it, which means that there's no opinion questioning the authority of, of the Supreme Court and, and the opinion that they set forth, uh, and it really kind of settled a few things. Number one, it settled the fact that the accountant privilege is very broad, uh, and in fact, if you look at the act, um, the court examined, you know, quote unquote, accountancy activities, and included anything. And in the way that the act is written, it says, accountancy activities include uh, are services performed by a CPA, including, and then it lists some like signing your name to a report, expressing, you know, some kind of opinion on a financial statement, or disclaiming an opinion on a financial statement other kind of attestation engagements otherwise not defined. And it also went into anything involving the use of skills for accounting, management, financial or consulting services, compilation, internal audit, preparation of tax returns, and so on and so forth, and lists some more. But the fact that it said including means that that is not an exhaustive list, and the fact that it didn't specifically, the act specifically didn't address, for example, it doesn't say estate planning or will contest in the body, but it, the Supreme Court read it to be very broad, so it, it doesn't. It includes not only the services listed here, but probably even broader, like estate planning, anything that involves accounting activities and that was um, provided to a client with expectation and main, maintenance of confidentiality. Now, and then the Supreme. If I'm an accountant, this, I was just sure. going to say, if I'm an accountant, I hear that, and it, uh, again, you've used that word broad several times. You give a, a number of different. Um, Areas there from from the case itself. Before we get too excited about um, you know having this be sort of a, a shield for everything, are there has this case or any other cases provided any exceptions? Yes. Well, they they actually examined one exception, and and you know frankly the 
the, one of the other things that the court ruled upon, <clears throat> ruled upon that was in uh, dispute was who holds the privilege, right? Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a similar concept for attorneys and clients, as you've probably heard, the attorney-client privilege. In that scenario, the client actually holds the privilege so that they are the party that can waive it. The attorney has to maintain the confidentiality and preserve the privilege, but the client actually owns the privilege. Here, uh, in, in actually overruling the appellate court's view of it, the Supreme Court said the client does not hold the accounting privilege. The accountant does. Uh, and I think if you read the act, it's it's pretty clear. So the accountant is the the owner of the privilege. The accountant can assert the privilege, and obviously then, as the court found in that case, the accountant can waive the, the privilege. Um, but there are some tests. There are some exceptions. One of the things that comes up for attorney-client privilege is called the testamentary exception, and that happens a lot when an attorney is dealing with a client, maybe on an estate plan, and that client uh, passes, and then. Although the attorney-client privilege does survive the death of the client, there's an exception for, for example, in a will contest that that a client can be or an attorney can be um, ordered to uh, disclose information that might otherwise be protected, mainly because you would think any client would want their will carried out how they wanted it to be carried out. So the it's the the exception there is meant to protect the decedent client. In this case, the court addressed that testamentary exception and found it does not apply to the accounting privilege. So there is no way around the accounting privilege just because the client has been deceased and there's some issue about his will. They can still um, assert it. The really only exception, frankly, in the act is whether there's an investigation or hearing undertaken pursuant to that act. So, for example, if an accountant is being investigated for malfeasance or something like that, they can't then assert the privilege to protect themselves. If they're the subject of the hearing, they're probably going to have to supply the documents that allow the investigators to determine whether or not malfeasance occurred. Uh, it's been a while since I've had the opportunity to visit with Laval Law shareholder Matthew Sheehan on Chicago's Legal Latte, so great to have him back today. We're kind of digging into a fairly complex concept, uh, particularly for CPAs. Um, if you haven't heard Matthew before, swing by LavelleLaw.com. You can check out his profile. You'll get uh, background on him. You'll get access to all the podcasts he's done and a variety of articles he's, he's written, uh, including one on this topic. Um, so we're, we're trying to uh, focus attention on, on CPAs and accounting professionals today. So uh, guide them through now, uh, you know, as an attorney, Matt, someone does receive a subpoena um, in a particular case. What, what action should they take uh, once that subpoena arrives? I, I would say the CPA would want to um, consult their attorneys. And, and you know, if, if they don't have uh, an attorney that's dealt with this issue before, certainly give uh, Lavelle Law and myself a call. Uh, and we'd have to go through kind of the fact scenario about um, what the underlying case is about, um, who their client is, and what information that the CPA uh, has. And in most cases, I would I would probably counsel the CPA to assert the privilege just to protect themselves. Um, and again, it, it doesn't mean that the client may have to disclose that information, especially if the client themselves have possession of the documents being sought from the CPA. Um, but the CPA, uh, in order to protect themselves and obviously the confidentiality of their clients, certainly should probably assert it 
Um, and then, you know, you may be buying yourself a bit of a court battle, uh, but at least you're not waiving the privilege, which obviously was the issue in the Supreme Court case for that particular CPA. Uh, and you're protecting your, not only the CPA and the accounting firm, you're protecting the client's information, and that's really your first duty. Um, if, the, if there's some other way for opposing counsel and the opposing party to obtain that information, well, then, you know, that's out of the CPA's hands. At least they've mm-hmm. done what they need to and, and, and asserted their rights under the act to protect uh, the information in their possession. And that's really probably in almost every circumstance what they should do. Just a, a minute or so left here, and I imagine this could turn into a, uh, a nice seminar or webinar that you might want to do. But when you're talking to CPAs, anything they should know to make sure they don't inadvertently, either they or their office, you know, waive their privilege or just certain behaviors or standards that they should always be aware of? Yeah, I mean, they just shouldn't, you know, blindly listen to their client about sending uh, information to somebody else at, at their client's direction and really try and, um, you know, again, if the client has the, has the information anyway, let the client do it. Um, but uh, just protect the privilege by not um, – disclosing otherwise confidential information outside of a subpoena. I mean, there's just, once, once it's disclosed, you've waived the privilege and you can't get it back. I guess the, you know, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in is kind of the concept. Um, and the last thing I want to say, Jim, is there's, it even applies to non-accounting services. So you could do a business valuation and still assert the privilege because the court has concluded just because you do a non-accounting service doesn't stop you from being an accountant. So it even, is even broader than just typical accounting services. So it is, uh, it is drafted to protect accountants, and they should take advantage of it. Well, we've, we've uh, I'm sure, just sort of touched the very tip top of this uh, subject. Matt, don't you go ahead and give us, again, a means to get in touch with you. I'm sure accountants who hear about this are going to want to have some more conversations. What's the best thing to do to talk to you? You can call uh, me, Matt Sheehan, at Lavelle Law. My direct dial is 312-332-2855. But we have other uh, litigation uh, partners and associates here at Lavelle that are well aware of the privilege and can help you. Um, And the general number at Lavelle Law is 847-705-7555. And just ask to talk to a litigator, uh, and our staff will put you in touch with one. Matt, thanks very much for being with us as always today. And, uh, again, let me direct everyone over to LavelleLaw.com get information about uh, him, the other uh, attorneys at, uh, at the firm, as well as some background in the various practice groups. So uh, we thank Matthew Sheehan for joining us today. Thank you for listening. And, again, LavelleLaw.com if you want to follow up. Thanks for being here.